And we need to be reminded of that so many times. God is faithful. I ask you to take your Bible as we continue to study in his word through the book of Exodus. Exodus. I don't know what's going on with these words here. My voice is good, but my brain is not. Zach's brain is good and his voice is not. So together we're going to be just fine. But if you turn to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. When you get there, you can go to verse 1. If you're using the Pew Bible right there in front of you, you can turn to page 72. Exodus chapter 12. I've reminded you of this before, but did you know that First Baptist Church was home to the monthly Bedford County blood drive? Blood is an important thing. According to the Red Cross, 6.8 million people were reported to have donated blood last year. That seems like an incredibly good number, except it's down from two years ago where 9.2 million people Gave blood. Now, we might be able to blame pandemic on some of that reduction, but blood is an important thing. Last year, 13.6 million pints of blood were donated to the Red Cross. Now, the Red Cross is not the only place that receives blood, so I'm just using their information. Did you know that less than 38% of the United States population is even eligible to give blood for one reason or another? that it takes more than 10,000 units of plasma and 7,000 units of platelets every single day just in the United States to meet the needs of hospitals. One pint of blood can save up to three lives, they teach you, and the average person has 10 pints of blood and can safely give one away every 56 days to help somebody else. Blood type, I don't know how many of you know your blood type. You need to know your blood type. I think it's a cool thing to know, and you might need to, might be handy one day. O positive is the leading uh, blood type. 37% of people in the United States have O positive blood, and they're considered the universal donor. A positive is the second with 33% of people. B positive, which is what I am, is uh, 9%. O negative, 7%, and then AB positive, B negative, and then AB negative going down in that way. A lot of important facts I found out about blood, and I've been tracking this. I started reading about blood, and I just check it about every two or three years. You're going, Jeff, that's really weird that you would track that. Okay, I'm really weird. But once I began to teach on something and learn something, I like to see what's going on. You know one interesting fact I found? In 2015, that was true in 2018, that is still true in 2021, is blood cannot be manufactured. You know, we can make about anything, except we cannot make blood. Now, I read in a few places where science thinks it's coming close to being able to replicate blood, but they're finding that it's very difficult to be able to do that. They're having no real success in creating red blood cells yet. Here's a quote I read. Blood does many things, of course, and artificial blood is designed to do only one of them, to carry oxygen and carbon dioxide. No substitutes have yet been invented that can replace the other vital functions of blood, coagulation, and immune defense. Therefore, the replacement solutions being developed today are more accurately described as oxygen carriers and not blood. As I mentioned, it takes blood to save lives. And that believe, since blood cannot be manufactured and it takes blood to save lives, it means that blood must be given to be able to save a life. If you're eligible and you're willing, I would encourage you 
to be a blood donor. I ask you to stand with me. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 12. We're going to read the first 13 verses of Exodus chapter 12 as we continue our study through the book of Exodus. Big things begin to happen in Exodus. Keep reading, keep studying, stay faithful each week. Let's read Exodus chapter 12, picking up in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire with its head and its legs and its entrails. You shall not let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with the belts on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Thank you. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We're going to talk about this for just a minute. And then we're going to talk about something else that transitions here. Exodus chapter 12 is a more detailed scripture on the 10 plagues. As you know, last week we did a scripture on the 10 plagues, and it is this plague, the 10th one, that the Lord says will cause the Egyptians to allow Israel to leave. Now, it's interesting. Look at verse 2. It says, this month, this month, God's first words to Moses and Aaron in this conversation he's having with them is this month. God is starting a new calendar for his people. Now, you can go back and do a lot of studying, and there is a, a civil or a civic calendar, and then there is a religious calendar that was going on at this time, and God is starting a new calendar, a religious calendar for those that seek him. Look at verse 2. It says, this month shall be the first month of the year for you. First month of the year for you. God is preparing to do something new. The Passover, as we're going to talk about for the next few minutes, is both an end and a beginning. It's an end of their time in Egypt. It's the beginning of their move or their transportation to the promised land. It's the end of their slavery, and it's the beginning of their freedom. It's the end of their passive obedience and the beginning of their active obedience. I want to talk just a second about that. Passive obedience, if you recognize, if we were the children of Israel at this time, God has done the nine plagues, and we've just had to sit back and watch. He's not asked us to do anything. The first three we were part of, we took all the challenges of the blood and the frogs and the lice that they did as well. 
And then starting in number four through nine, we just watched God from a distance as he did something in Egypt that he did not do in the land of Goshen. We were free from all of that. And so we have been passively watching God do what he's been doing. But now when we get to this new time where God says, well, I'm going to do one more plague, this one's going to start a new calendar, this one's going to start a new beginning, this one's going to be an ending point of some things and a beginning point, this is the beginning of their active obedience. This month, this time, people, it is time to begin to act. It's time to obey, time to follow, time to trust. So let me ask you right now, before we even go any further, how would you take that back? It doesn't matter what we think. How would God look at your life? Are you passively obedient? You sit back, you try to stay out of the way, you let God just do all that God wants to do. Or are you actively obedient, meaning that you've yielded your life to God, you're seeking to seek him, to know what he wants you to do so that you can actively every day be living for him. Passive, active, they're very different. Now, this Passover, as we've just read in the scripture, comes with very strict instructions. Those who follow these strict instructions, scripture teaches us, uh, will be safe and will not feel the judgment of God. You see, active obedience to these instructions equals life. And disobedience equals death. That's pretty easy. Now, I just wanted to capture this middle ground. Didn't, scripture didn't talk, but it talked about partial disobedience or partial obedience. You know what partial obedience is? It's disobedience. If we do some of the instructions, God will judge, not life will reign. And so we talk about, now, let me give you a summary of what these specific instructions were. You can see them in verses 3 through 11. I'm just going to highlight them for you here in a, a series of statements. On the 10th day, you're to select a lamb or a goat. So this is day one when he's given those, these instructions. And on the 10th day, you are to select a lamb or goat. This lamb or goat must be a male, it says, must be a one-year-old, must be without blemish says that this lamb that you pick or this goat that you pick should be selected based upon the size of your family or of your group, which means that you need to count out how many people you have and how much lamb does that take to meet that need and set that lamb aside. And if you're going, well, our family is really small, well, then you group together with neighbors or extended family and you come together. But each household or each group that comes together is to have a lamb or a goat set aside. On day 14... So you watch it for four days to make sure that it is still blemished and unblemished and good. And on day 14, at twilight, it says that these lambs or goats all over are to be killed. It said that the blood is collected. Scripture teaches us that the blood is to be painted on the doorposts. Those are the side pieces. And on the lintel, which is the top piece of the door. The meat is to be roasted. No boiling, no eating it raw. It is to be eaten. Gives you the menu there with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. There are to be no leftovers. You eat it all or you burn the rest. And the scripture said, is right there toward the end, it says that you are to eat ready to go. Ready to go means you're dressed, you've got your sandals on, you've got your staff in hand, and you're eating with haste. 
Now, those are a lot of very strict instructions, but they're very clear. Don't you believe that they're very easy for the children of Israel or all who are going to do this to understand? Let me read verses 12 and 13 again for us. It says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Did you notice in verse 13, the blood shall be a sign. The Lord says that when I see the blood, I will pass over. And if I do not see the blood, judgment and death will occur. Now, let's just clarify this one thought that sometimes could go through my mind because you know I'm different anyway is, well, what if the blood is there but you don't see it? Let me just be very clear from everything we read in Scripture. God knows your heart. Amen? God knows whether you have accepted Jesus as your Savior or not. God knows whether you are sincere in the life that you're seeking to live. God knows what you're doing in life, how you're living in life, what your allegiances are in life. God knows if you have any other from last week, God's, that you're allowing to remain in your life. God knows. So if the blood has been applied to the doorpost and the lintel of your life, God knows. God knows. So we don't have to worry about what if God doesn't see it. And so this week when I read, and I tell you that my process is, if people say, well, how did, last week they talked about, how did you know what you wanted to talk about? How did you get to that? Let me tell you what I do, and I've told you before, but I'll start it again tomorrow. I start reading scripture right where we've left off, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it. And then I read it again, and I read it again, and I read it again, and I wait for God to sort of show me in scripture what is the focus for that week. And this week, This statement, now the blood shall be a sign. God told me that we needed to spend some time talking about that blood. So I want to encourage you. You can hold your finger right here. We're coming back to Exodus chapter 12. But I want to encourage you to turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Now, Romans 5, now if you're using that pew Bible, I'll go ahead and give you a cheat code right here. You can go right to page 1,200. And 98. But Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Thank you for turning with me. I love that you're turning with me, that we can read this together. All right, Romans chapter 5. Let me just read two verses, verses 8 and 9. It says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, let's just look at these verses. I don't want to say quickly. We want to look at them thoroughly. But verse 8 said that God demonstrates. Do we see there that when it comes to Jesus being sent, it was God who took the action. It was God who initiated the process. We talked on Wednesday night 
uh, that we talked about that. He who has began a good work in you. It was God. All of our salvation begins on God and his initiation of this process, his love for us. God took the action then, and God continues to take the action now. And it goes on in verse 8, it says that his love to us, to each person, God demonstrates his love. God loves you. Now, let me say that again, because right now, you might not feel that God loves you. You may not believe that God even knows who you are. I ask people that all the time. Do you believe that God knows who you are? And I'm not talking about in some sense of you are a person of some. No, do you believe that God knows exactly who you are? You see, that's a very important thing to understand that God knows who you are. Because once you understand that God knows who you are, then all of a sudden things like Jesus died for you makes a difference. I have plans for you make a difference. I love you make a difference when you believe that God knows you. God says his love to us, to each person. Can I tell you again that God loves you? God loves you and you and you and even you. Regardless of where you've been. Regardless of what you've done. Regardless of what you might be caught up in, dealing with, or struggling with right now, God loves you. God loves you even if you do not love him. You see, God initiated this. His love is not conditional on your loving him either before or after. God loves you. God loves you regardless of your past, regardless of your present. And while I hope it's not a challenge to you in the days ahead, God loves you regardless of your future. God loves you. And it goes on to say that while we were still sinners, do you know that you cannot get ready to come to God? God gets ready to make himself known to us. We can't get ready to come to God. I'm a sinner. I read that in Scripture. My nature is to sin. And God took this step forward. While we were still sinners, knowing that I was a sinner, Verse 8 said that he sent his son, Christ, to die for us. God defined his love, sending his son to die on the cross. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's love is shown through the death of his son, the shedding of Jesus' blood. Now, just make this note, if you're a note taker, I've got it written down right here. These verses, they could change how you view God. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Let me read those to you. Colossians 1, 19 and 20, it says, now just understand the gravity of these verses. For it pleased, let me start that again. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Did you see that it pleased God? Church, don't miss this. 
it pleased God to send his son, his only son, to shed his blood on the cross. It pleased God to do this. And you know why? Because he loves you. And you. And you. And you. Through Jesus' blood, you can be at peace with God. But there's more. Verse 9 goes on to say that because of the blood, we are justified. That means we are made right. We are saved from wrath. No judgment because of Jesus. And only through Jesus can this be accomplished. You know, there are people who believe that there are many ways to God and that Jesus is just the name that we choose. Some people believe that some mix of Jesus and some other activities are what helps a person get saved. That's not what Scripture teaches, church. John 14, 6, Jesus said this himself. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, through the blood of Jesus. God loved us so much that he took the action to send his son and was delighted to crucify his son, to shed his blood so that we, when we would come to him through faith, could be made right. The blood makes us right. You know, and God's word has many things to say about the value of the blood of Jesus. If you're a note taker, I'm gonna rattle off a few scriptures here for you. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins to the riches of his grace. Did you notice that through the blood of Jesus you can be redeemed and forgiven? Amen. Redeemed and forgiven. Redemption means to be brought, to be bought back. Forgiveness means to be blotted out as if it never happened. That's why today, if you know Jesus as your Savior, he looks at you and he sees you as holy, righteous, and perfect because he sees you not as you are, but he sees you as Jesus has made you through the blood. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus... You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Did you see that? That because of the blood of Jesus, we can be close to God. Personal, daily relationship close to God. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought you up, our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Because of the blood in these verses, you can be complete. You can seek to both know and do the will of God, active obedience. And you have God work in you and through you. And Scripture says that because of the blood of Jesus, you will be pleasing to God. Now, Zach, I didn't know that your voice was going to be out on this Sunday morning. I knew going in because you've had a tough week with it. But in case you couldn't sing at all, warning, church, it's getting ready to happen. But in case you couldn't sing at all, I couldn't have us not have singing during the service. 
You can join in with me if you want to, but this is what my heart hears as a culmination to this. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then right then, God brought that to my mind, and he pointed that out to me in Exodus 12, 13, and he said, the blood shall be the sign. Yes, God loves you. Yes, you are a sinner. Yes, God sent his son to die for you. Yes, the blood of Jesus is powerful and can be life-changing. It takes blood to save lives, and that means blood must be given to save people, and God gave his blood through his son Jesus so that we could be made right. Amen? Amen. And I believe that God pointed this out to us in Romans thousands of years later than this, but God was beginning in Exodus chapter 12 with this Passover event to teach his people, to reveal to them right here, right now in Egypt with this 10th plague that blood is important. It is vital because he's teaching them. And they, like me, don't always learn quick. So let's go back to Exodus chapter 12. I hope you have your finger there because we're going to wrap up here. Exodus chapter 12. Flip over to verse 29. See, we, we talked about what God said he was going to do. We talked about what God instructed the people to do, and God said, and it's going to happen on the 14th day that night at midnight. So let's read from Exodus chapter 12. Let me read verses 29 to 31. It says, and it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up, go out from among my people, both you and the children of God, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Verse 29, and it came to pass. Now just remembering this conversation, 14 days passed. You know, God told them on this day, we're going to start something new. And on the 10th day, you're to select. And on the 14th day, you're to kill and prepare and eat and be ready to go. And on midnight of that night. So God gave them two weeks. Notice, preparation time. And it came to pass. And you know what came to pass? The Lord did exactly all and everything that he said he was going to do. He judged. He went from house to house looking for the blood. The scripture says that where he found the blood, he passed over. And where he did not, there was great loss, great pain, and great judgment. And Pharaoh, just as God said he would, called and said, it's time for you guys to leave. We've had enough. Please leave. 
Church, can I tell you, and this is my, I wrote this note right here, God's promise of judgment is no joke. Not then, and certainly not now. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 29 to 31, it says, and it came to pass. Can I tell you that there is coming a day when God will return. And let me tell you what he's going to be looking for. Just like in Exodus chapter 12, he's going to be looking to see if the blood has been applied to your life. Now, not a household, but a person. That means everybody in your home, everybody in your family, everybody in your classroom, everybody at your job, everybody that you see driving on the road, every single one of us are going to face this judgment. I'm thankful that God helped me paint the blood of Jesus on my life when I was 11. And I am so thankful that the forgiveness of Jesus that I received on that day was for my past and my present as an 11-year-old and certainly all of my future these many years later. But I've spoken to people this week, and you know people right now, and you might even be one of those people where you do not have the blood of Jesus applied to your life. Scripture teaches that Jesus will return, and those covered with the blood will be with him. And those without the blood, they will be separated from God forever. If you don't know Jesus today, I would like to ask you, would you receive Jesus as your Savior today? Would you delight by accepting the gift that God desired to give you through his son? And perhaps you know Jesus today, but you've you've gotten stuck in passive obedience. You're allowing everybody else to go and do and God to move and work, and you're not seeing a lot happen in your life, but nothing's really impacting. You're just watching it all go by, and that's not what God saved you for. Perhaps today, the Spirit of God is going to challenge you to begin to move from passive living for Christ into active living for Christ. And you do that by recommitting your life to God, remembering what God has already done. Would you seek to be a witness to others? There are so many people whose doorposts and lentils of their hearts do not have the blood of Jesus. Would you allow God, whether it is to receive him to recommit to him, or to be a witness for him, would you allow God today to have his way in your life? You see, he's given us very clear instructions on how we are to live, amen?